We all know Benjamin Franklin, Voltaire, Roosevelt, Bach, Beethoven. They are, and well, they really were, geniuses in their own things. We admire them for what they were able to achieve during their lives, from freaking founding one of the most powerful nations in the world, to be able to beautifully play piano without even being able to hear a thing. However, there is something else that they have in common. They were absolutely addicted to coffee. And when I mean addicted, it's not like we all are telling our friends, I'm a walking zombie if I don't drink coffee in the morning, or don't even try to talk to me if I had in my cup of coffee before. They are just all another level. My name is Rita and this is another episode of For All The Foodies Out There, your unusual food podcast. Last week I shared with you the different theories of the origin of pasta. Well, today we will be talking about the different types of coffee. Now, back to the story. This is how Benjamin Franklin expresses his love for coffee. Quote, Among the numerous luxuries of the table, coffee might be considered one of the most valuable. It excites cheerfulness without intoxication and is never followed by sadness, languor, or debility. End quote. This might be why he liked to host political meetings in coffee shops, which a lot of really professional guests didn't really appreciate. But he used to do this. He's such a modern guy. And yeah, but this sounds more like a passion rather than an obsession, right? But this is also the same guy who refused multiple times to board a ship because there wasn't coffee available. And so he missed a lot of meetings. On the other side, the French author Voltaire used to drink from 40 to 50 cups of coffee per day. I cannot even imagine how my body would react to something like this. According to Healthline.com, an excessive coffee income will give you dizziness, irritability, insomnia, anxiety, and this is for more than approximately 10 cups per day. Voltaire should have been a really fun and relaxed person to hang out with. Compared to him, Roosevelt and his daily 16 cups are like nothing. Then we have the German composer musician Bach, who did something really modern. He turned his obsession in a form of art. In fact, he actually composed the Coffee Cantata in 1732. It has a pretty ironic tone, since he wanted to mock public outcry about the rise of Vienna coffee house scene. Since at the time, coffee was considered a dangerous vice in Austria. The short opera is about a girl named Aria who loves coffee. But her killy joy father is, of course, dead set against his daughter having any kind of caffeinated fun. So he tries to ban her from the drink. So what does she do? 
Of course, she tries to convince the father about the wonderfulness of the drink. So she started stating that that's more delicious than a thousand kisses and milder than a Moscatel wine. Which are bold, bold statements, I would say. We don't know then if she managed to convince her father, but telling him about kisses and stuff doesn't really seem like a wonderful idea. Finally, I mentioned Beethoven. The guy was awesome. I always liked him. I mean, he, he became a master of what exactly seemed he couldn't do. A composer and musician that cannot hear a thing. It's similar to Grand Ashad's, I don't know if it's this the correct pronunciation, but still, is the chef from the famous Michelin star Alinea, which is based in Chicago. Unfortunately, because of a really, really bad illness, he lost his ability to taste. A chef that cannot taste anymore. I don't know, it's incredible how amazing humans can be. You challenge your physiological limits and you overcome them that well. I'm getting emotional. So yeah, besides being a genius, Beethoven has a really, really peculiar relationship with coffee. He drank only coffee with exactly 60 beans in it. I don't know why he chose this number, but if someone knows, please share. So everyone has his own thing with coffee. Let's say some more than others. In my case, I know that if I drink it, I will be super awake for hours. But like, hours. So I drink it only when I have to work long, or I used to drink it when I was preparing exams back in uni. I guess I'm extremely sensible, but I love both macchiato and ginseng coffee. And I know ginseng is like the fake version, but it tastes so good, it tastes like caramel to me, and trust me, I love caramel, I love everything sweet, I'm, I'm hungry now. But I guess I love macchiato because I'm Italian and I grew up with that. My father always, always orders macchiato with just cold milk on the side, so I just, I'm, I'm just used to it. But yeah, as you know, the country you live in really influences your tastes and choices of food. Around the world, there are people that are happily eating something that we find deeply disgusting. When I was little, my mother used to cook me fried frogs on a Sunday. I don't know why on a Sunday, but yeah. Which sounds super Southeast Asia, but it's actually a thing in some parts of Italy. And when I told this to some of my friends, They were like, uh, Rita, no way. But yes, there's a way, which is fry everything and it will taste good. This applies for all kinds of food and drinks, I guess. Even for something as basic as coffee. We all know that the diatribe between espresso and Americano, so I'm not gonna cover it. I just think they can coexist and the user's occasion is just different. But I recently traveled to Indonesia and I also went to Bali, which is, by the way, a paradise. People are the nicest, they have a lot of local traditions, they are really attached to their gods, and they create a, like a daily gift for them with bamboo, flowers and food. 
They enjoy traditional ancient dances, slow life, onions and garlic everywhere, and poop coffee. Yep, coffee made out of poop. And it's actually the most expensive coffee in the world. On average, you will find cups of luwak coffee, which is kopi luwak in Indonesian, starting from $30 per cup in other countries. Of course, it's cheaper locally, so I couldn't resist to try and discover more about it. Kopi luwak is called like this because of the luwak, which is the animal that actually poops the coffee beans. It's basically a civet. It's an animal that you can find in Asia and Africa, and it reminds me of a fox and a ferret like put together, even with something similar to cats. I don't know. This cutie simply likes coffee beans, and then simply poops coffee beans. Then people take them, roast them like a normal coffee bean, and make coffee. It's that easy. And of course, the first thing that I ask myself, and I'm sure you're doing it too, is why the hell humans saw poop and thought, oh, how great would it be to take it, roast it, and drinking? There is an historical explanation. Back in the 18th century, Sumatra and Java, which are big islands in Indonesia, because, yes, Indonesia is something like 17,000 islands, were part of a Dutch colonial empire in the East Indies. Here, they introduced the Arabian coffee, made from important plants that obviously came from the Arabian Peninsula. At that time, Dutch plantation owners were super nice people. So nice that they forbid indigenous workers from sampling the fruits of their labor. How cute is that? However, Indonesian noticed that there was someone else that actually was allowed to eat the coffee beans. The luwak. Then they noticed that in the poop, the beans looked pretty the same. And of course, if something looks the same, that will taste the same, no? That's pure logic. So they cleaned and roasted the beans and they did their own coffee. At some point, the plantation owner discovered what was going on, tried the coffee and realized its superior taste. All the articles just end up here. But I'm afraid that from that moment on, the poor workers couldn't even make the Lua coffee anymore. But why is this coffee so good? Apparently, the beans are just only partly processed inside the animal, which makes sense since they come out looking kind of the same. What happens in that little body is similar to a process of fermentation, where enzymes break proteins and other things impossible to pronounce. But they become softer and smoother and better. There is also a lot of controversy around this coffee, since sometimes the animals are not really treated well, and what you get when you order is not necessarily the real one. When I went there, I chose a local farm so I could actually see the making in front of my eyes, and maybe you can do the same. This is the only weird coffee that I tried in my life, 
but I have a bucket list to fill in time. It includes add coffee from Vietnam, butter coffee from Singapore, Malaysia, elephant coffee from Thailand, cheese coffee from Sweden, black pepper coffee from Senegal, monkey spit from Taiwan, not really sure about that. I would love to tell you everything about all of them, but I'm afraid I would talk for like two hours. If saying poop coffee sounds absolutely disgusting, egg coffee leaves us with an uncomfortable feeling. I mean, it's egg, not poop. So it should be fine. But thinking about it, not even with a coffee, but in a coffee, I don't know. Egg coffee is a Vietnamese delicacy, and the uncomfortable feeling will go away when you search for a picture of it. It looks simply attractive. You can see the coffee at the bottom, but it will be something like one-fifth of the glass volume. The rest consists in a fluffy, almost foamy, pastel yellow egg. From the top, I swear it looks like creme brulee. And even if you would immediately dive into it when you see it in front of you, the right way is did it well, so that different flavors and consistencies will reach the perfect balance. It's supposed to resemble Yin and Yang, said the egg coffee inventor, Nguyen Zhang. Yes, there is a single inventor here, not an entire community. And since it's such a famous drink, and you can find it in a lot of places in Vietnam, I thought it was just a general old tradition. But nope, everything started when during the French war in Vietnam, which began in 1946, finding fresh milk in the country was really difficult and expensive. So people tried to make do with what they had. Usually this implied the use of condensed milk, but Nguyen has just different ideas. He whisked an egg for a long time and made coffee. Honestly, at the beginning, no one really liked it. It was tasting too much like egg, and you know that makes sense. But then he found a solution. A special ingredient that is able to remove the eggy flavor. Something that we would never expect. Just because we will never know. He kept it a secret until now. Not even his family knows. His son is the only exception. Because he's the one that is managing the cafe today. And if you think that the daughter is their main competitor in Hanoi with another coffee and she has no idea, it's incredible. So yeah, this is why he is not afraid of copycats and his egg coffee remains the best one in Vietnam. I mean, he's a super confident dude. He doesn't care about copies, he doesn't even care about being found. His cafe is so small that you wouldn't even notice the entrance. It's like a little hole in a wall. And then when you enter, you have to walk in the tunnel going down. It's like entering in a cave. And you will find him to welcome you with a bright smile. It's like when you win a video game and there is like, congratulations, you found a treasure and passed the level. Kind of situation. His explanation of this is, first of all, he's super loyal and attached to traditions so he never really changed the location. Second, in his opinion, coming to this cafe is similar to a religious pilgrimage. 
You have to feel the waiting. You need to find it and walk a lot so that you will be able to fully appreciate it. A weird way to do marketing, but it's working for him. I'm talking way too much, so let's cover the last type of coffee. Then let me know if you're interested in hearing more about the others. As much as I really want to talk about monkey spit coffee, and I'm just too curious, I don't want to leave you with a weird taste in your mouth. So the majority of weird coffee are Asian, and in general, us Westerns tend to think that every unusual food is Asian, but it's not really like that. Let's talk about cheese coffee, a Swedish delicacy. So I don't know if you're aware, but cheese coffee exists in Asia also. And okay, yes, I love Asia. I'm sorry if I will talk about it like 2,000 times. However, this is completely different. The Asian one is usually iced coffee or tea. And at the top, there is like a thick layer of fluffy cream cheese. So it's just slightly salty and it tastes really nice. Also, the consistency looks and tastes really nice in your mouth. But guys, the Swedish version is another thing. It looks like a normal coffee, but just with cheese pieces inside. Like you cut some Parmesan cheese and you look at it and what do you do? Cheese in cold cut platter or a nice plate of pasta? A cheese sandwich? Don't be silly, my friend. Of course, you just throw them in a cup of coffee. Just like that. Because why not? It's called Kaffeeost, and I'm pretty sure that I missed this pronunciation too. Sweden has one of the highest coffee consumption rates in the world, so they are considered experts. And so they also probably know what they're doing. I never tried that type of coffee, and I don't know if there's a special story about its origins. What I found really interesting, besides obviously being an absolutely weird combination, is the symbol that he has on the country. Coffee Ost, I will continue to, to say it like that because I have no idea, but still, is served in wood cups because they represent coziness and hospitality. And it is really rude to say no to that. For Swedish people, this is not a normal coffee to drink between meals or to boost your day in the morning. It is a way to share moments with your beloved ones. It reminds me of the Danish Hege, easy to write as much as impossible to get the right pronunciation. And yes, I have a problem with Nordic languages, so it's just like that. Of coziness and slow, meaningful life. A concept that I extremely value and respect. I'm sure Swedish people have their own version of that. So here it comes the end of my second episode. Thank you very, very, very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed discovering more about coffee. And in case you have any questions or a suggestion or you would like to leave a review, you can find the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, whatever. And it would truly help me a lot, trust me. You can also reach out on the Instagram page of the podcast at foodies out there, which again is pretty new, but will get better. 
or in my personal Instagram at just a foodie. Same saying with the dots between the words because just just a foodie was taken. So thank you very much for listening and see you next week. Thank you.